Welcome to the teaching ministry at Crothers Creek Community Church. Hey, good morning, family. All right, thank you. Good morning. We're glad you're here. And again, hello to you watching or listening online this week, wherever you might be. We're really glad that you are joining us here at C4 Church this morning. So if you've got a Bible this morning, an electronic version or a paper version, we're going to be again in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'd love you to turn there. Now we'll be hanging out starting in verse 7 as we get going uh, today. Uh, this is week 9 in our spiritual gifts journey. It's actually the second last in this uh, journey together to build this common script and to have a joint understanding of what spiritual gifts are, what they look like, and even how they're used. Now, today we're going to focus on three more gifts. We're going to look at the gift of healing. We're going to look at the gifts of miracles. It's also called the works of power and words of knowledge or wisdom. Now, all these gifts, you need to know, revolve, of course, around God's glory and his promise of a new heavens and a new earth, but it's breaking into the now. They're all power gifts. That is, they demonstrate among us as normal people the very power of God, the presence of God, and the reality of God in the here and in the now. At their heart, they're all about one thing. They're about healing. Every one of these ones in different ways is about either physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, or what I would even call directional healing. Now, before we get into these gifts today, let's just ask some obvious questions and clear away some stuff we need to. Question one, do we actually need healing? I mean, it's a fundamental question, and the answer, of course, is yes. We all know, sitting here or watching or listening, that we are all broken. We live in a world that's full of brokenness. We all know that sitting in this room, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of failed dreams. Some of us feel untouched. Some of us have felt unwanted. All of us, either ourselves or our family, have experienced sickness or disease. We know about war. We all have regret, guilt, and shame. We all have questions that are unanswered. There is injustice in the world that seems to be growing by the minute. There is the pain of broken which in the human experience is forming the great pools in which people find the belief in God so questionable that they actually begin to believe he isn't there. Suffering, pain, disease, distress, anxiety, unhappiness. Many people don't have basic basic necessities. All of us struggle with wrong motives. There's family breakdown. There's selfishness in all forms, from abuse to being haunted and inhabited even by the demonic. The human family and even creation itself groans deeply. It's in bondage, and actually it is frustrated, and it desires one thing, freedom. Our suffering is expressed in so many ways, physically, emotionally, mentally, sexually, spiritually. And if you really take all of that to its heart, you really begin to understand that all suffering is actually a relational breakdown to ourselves, each other, our families, and of course, God. Now, all this was started so long ago in a lost garden. At the fall, when Adam and Eve sinned, death entered into the world, sickness and then brokenness and then suffering was introduced to the created order and sin marred what God said it was very good And it's lived in a state of frustration ever since. Suffering continues throughout the world at this moment, through you, in me, and in all of us. And this brokenness comes in many streams. And all these tributaries begin to form one profound, huge river that floods over all of us. The religious, the non-religious, the good, the bad, the evil, and the neutral. 
Now understand that suffering comes from many sources. One of the great sources, especially that we don't talk about in the West, but is profoundly involved in suffering, is Satan and the demonic. It's not mythology. It's not just some idea, a little guy with red horns you see at Halloween. He is real. They are involved in bringing and in perpetuating suffering in people's lives, even in this church, in our families. They're even involved in society. They're involved in building communal fallen worldviews that perpetuate death and suffering. They're even involved in intellectual deception. Then, of course, there is the main reason for our suffering. If we could all just be honest about it for a moment, it's called our sinful choice. Adam and Eve, as our representative, made decisions on our behalf, but they made them perfectly in the sense that we would have done the same thing, and we have suffered ever since. But also, we perpetuate this. We are not islands. Our choices are not done in a vacuum. Our actions always affect everyone around us, including ourselves and our world. All the suffering we see on CNN or CBC, all the war, the abuse, so much, if not all darkness, is connected back to sinful choices when a human being or a nation or a community or a business decides, knowingly or not, to break God's heart and his law. We cry out to God, why? Why don't you show up and do something about all this? Why do you allow this? And he turns around in great love and says, but you desire choice. If God came to us and says, fine, I'll deal with all the suffering on earth, but I'm going to remove your ability to choose, humanity would rise up and say, you dare not touch our choice. It is our right. And God says, well, of course it is. You're made in my image. You have to have choice. That's why there were two trees in the first garden. Not to tempt you, but to affirm who you are. You are made in my image, but you have made a decision historically. And all of us every day continue as a family to make decisions. And God would say to us out of a brokenness, Oh, how your choices bring so much darkness that you blame me for. So then the question is proposed this morning. With all that honest bondage and frustration, is there any hope? Yes. Yes, there is hope. I mean, this is the Christmas season. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. God has intervened. The Savior has been born through the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sin and death and disease and Satan have been overcome, and history is now being reversed. The dawn is now come, and day by day, light is breaking the darkness, person by person. Listen again to the grand promise written by the prophet Isaiah about Jesus' death. Hear what was promised about his life and his death and the implications of his resurrection. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely Jesus took our pain. He bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are what? What does it say? Healed. Look at that verse carefully. Pain, suffering, the wrath of God, transgression, iniquity, Everything that makes up the grand sludge pool of suffering in the human condition is mentioned here. And by his death, by his wounds, we get healed. Each time someone meets God personally through the Lord Jesus Christ, there is automatic healing. That is in the sense that they are forgiven and now they are promised a new life. 
And we know, if you're a Christian here today, the promises given to us by the Lord Jesus that one day we will all be fully healed at the resurrection and all of creation will be healed also. The not yet is the greatest healing to come and it is what we must cling to in our great times and our good times and our bad times and our terrible times. The word of God does not lie. And what we are promised in scripture is there is a day coming where all suffering will be reversed and healing, of course, is guaranteed to we who trust in the grand healer. Listen to what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 42, talking about the resurrection. He said, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, in other words, broken, is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, in sin. It will be raised in glory, without sin. It is sown in weakness. It will be raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It will be raised a spiritual body. Healing is guaranteed because as Jesus has been risen from the dead, so we will be also, and all of us will experience this one day. All right. John, Jesus' best friend on earth, when he received the great book of Revelation, encountered the living, risen Christ, also gave us this great summary. It is the thing that we hold to in Revelation 21.4, where Jesus says that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. The old order will be passed. We will never go to a funeral again. There will never be AIDS or cancer. There will never be abuse ever again. No one will ever be sold sexually for their body. There is a day coming where things will be made right. Eden will be restored, but it will be in a new city where we actually live the way we were always called to. So then the question posed for some of us is this. As we wait for this amazing new heavens and new earth, as we wait to be physically raised to new life where no more sickness or death is there, does the living God, who says he is holy but also love, does he set anyone free in the here or now? Or do we just become Christians and deal with life and sing, this world is not my home and suck it up? And the answer is this morning, no. In some cases, the living God will choose to heal us. And in other cases, he will choose not to heal us. But our suffering will become the place where our joy is growing the most. It will become the unnatural place where joy is produced in a life. And people around us who suffer the same as we do, though we are Christians, will say, how do you have a joy? And we will point to something unnatural, and his name is Jesus. We're going to spend the whole winter season preaching through the book of Philippians for one reason— God desires in this church to redeem back much of the suffering we've held on to in this church and actually produce in us unnatural joy. But back to this series, the question is, well, when God intervenes, what does that mean? Well, as we've been learning, God has given some of us spiritual gifts. And some of those spiritual gifts bring what is promised in fullness in the future into the here and now. And here they are the gifts of healing, the gifts of works of power, and the gifts of words of knowledge or wisdom. Now before we get to the definition of these gifts, let's just all be honest this morning, here and online, about what's already going through some of our heads. Some of you are nervous again, because we've seen so much fake stuff when it comes to healing, right? TV, lights, smoke, and cameras, 
and no action. And then the opposite, which is actually probably the real problem, especially in C4 Church, is there's so many of us are so jaded and skeptical, we end up living like Christian atheists. Oh, right, we believe Jesus rose from the dead, and we do our devotions, and we sing. But we don't expect God to show up anymore. We expect nothing, we see nothing, and when God shows up among us, we go, I still don't believe it. How many of you are a Christian atheist this morning? You think right, but you expect nothing from the living God. If we move beyond the fake, if we move beyond what I would call the scientific idolatry, which is a cancer, and we're left with the possibility of divine action, then the question is, well, what is the expectation we should have according to Scripture for what God's going to do? Some churches say, well, John, all that stuff happened back in Bible times, but we now have the Bible. We don't need that anymore. And other people say, oh, they're all wrong. God promises we're all going to be healed. Just have enough faith and name it and claim it. You'll be healed, delivered, set free in 2995, and let's go. The problem is both of them are wrong. Some of them have no faith, and others have too much faith in faith and not in Jesus. They're sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. Here's what Scripture presents to us as we reflect on these gifts. It's not never. It's not always. It's just sometimes. The answer is yes, if God sovereignly decides to do it. See, all the gifts we're about to talk about this morning, healing and works of power and words of knowledge, are about one thing. And you're going to need to say this after I say it. It's about situational permission. Say that. Situational permission permission. This is huge. This is how we understand these gifts biblically. We see this in the, Jesus, in the life of Jesus time and time again. Notice something about Jesus. Jesus, when he would give a word of knowledge, or he would heal or deliver, he did it with authority. He never prayed. He'd walk up to the blind, the deaf, the dumb, the bleeding, those who'd actually died, rose them back to life, dealt with the demonic, and he just instructed it, and it took place. He commanded it. Now, one thing we should all be honest about, though, did you ever think that Jesus didn't heal everyone? I mean, Jesus didn't heal everyone. Jesus didn't cast out every single demon on earth. So it is about permission. And notice when Jesus did his ask, he did not even ask God for help. He never said, oh, God, possibly, maybe, if it's your will be done, I'm not really sure. You know, no. He took authority, and God had given that authority to him, and he acted on God's behalf. But it wasn't just because Jesus was God himself. Remember, we talked about this in our last series called The Called. I don't know if you've gone back and listened to that. Go back and listen to the podcast from May 15th to really understand this. Jesus taught us in the scriptures that though he was God, he laid down the privileges of being God and submitted himself to the Father, and he would only do what the Father gave him permission to do. He was still God, but he submitted himself. He says this time and time again in the book of John. John 5, 19, Jesus gave this answer. I tell you the truth. The Son of God can do nothing by himself. Excuse me? I thought Jesus was God. He is. He can only do what he sees his Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. The pattern of permission is seen in Jesus' life again and again. He would go and pray, he would listen, and he would line up his will with the Father's will, and then he would act. He prayed before he did do deeds. He did not pray during the deeds. One of the best expressions of this is the death of one of his close friends, Lazarus. Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha. He was dying. 
They sent messengers to Jesus, come Jesus, come, Lazarus is dying. And if you read the passage closely, Jesus intentionally delays. He dies. He shows up four days after the funeral. He shows up. Where were you, they said. You mean you you heal strangers all the time? But We're like family. Where were you? It says Jesus wept. But then he said these very interesting words in John 11, 41. He said, take away the stone. And they said, don't do that. He's been dead for four. He says, take away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and prayed these words. Father, I thank you that you've heard me, and I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. See, our task, if you have the gifts, any of these gifts we're talking about this morning, is to get your will lined up with Jesus and the Father's will. On that basis and on that basis alone, can you exercise the authority God has given you situationally? If you have these gifts, then like Jesus, you are called to spend time in prayer and fellowship with God and others to get instruction and to line up your will with his. When you receive the yes from God, then the necessary power and authority for the specific task will be given. If he says no, don't claim anything. As one wrote, Jesus prayed before his deeds, but it should not be called prayer what he did during them. We are to imitate Jesus and take authority as he did. When Jesus said that whoever believes in him will do what he did, I believe he writes that includes the way he did things in the what of this verse. Like him, we are not to ask God to do the work. Did you hear that? We're not ask God to do the work. We're to line up our will with his will, not talk to the Father, but speak on his behalf, speak speak authoritarily to correct a situation. So the question this morning is, will God heal? Will he tell us? Will he deliver us? Yes, of course, that's guaranteed in the resurrection. Will he do it in this life? The answer is, whether we like it or not, maybe. His will, his glory, his timing, his sovereignty, and our willingness to listen matters with these gifts. For if God says yes, then we must act. And if he says no, then we must ask God to take our brokenness and our suffering and allow it to bring him glory and produce in us unnatural joy. Some churches say we just don't want to deal with it, and it's easier. Other people set all of us up for failure because they say you just don't have enough faith. The scripture says sovereignty is at the heart of gifts. Character is at the heart of gifts. And when it comes to healing and deliverance or works of power and words of knowledge, it's all based on one thing, permission. So now to the gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, this is what St. Paul wrote. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Let me say that again. For the common good. Spiritual gifts aren't about you, and they're not about me. They're about Jesus. They're about Jesus setting people free. Never forget that if you have the gift of healing, or works of power, or words of knowledge, it's not about you, or getting some bizarre power, or you being uplifted. Right when you go there, Jesus disappears. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers. Let's start with the first one, words of wisdom or words of knowledge. Some hold that these are two gifts while others think they're actually one. 
It's repetition for emphasis. I personally think there are two expressions of one gift. Uh, There's more, though, and just follow this, please. The original language helps us understand them. Now, lots of people want to say that knowledge is is just that you're really good with facts. You you know your Bible really well, and you're just, you're really knowledgeable. You should be like a teaching prof or a seminary prof. And wisdom, well, that's just really helping people live out their Christian life. You're like the application study Bible incarnate, and you just tell people how to live out the Christian life 24-7. Now, that's true what knowledge and wisdom is, but that's not what the spiritual gifts are. That misses the point. Those things are about teaching, side note. One person wrote, the, the use of certain Greek words, logos, in, in front of both wisdom and knowledge, suggests that these gifts, everyone ready, are situational communications given by the Holy Spirit for that moment. We're not talking about people who are knowledgeable about the Bible or God. We're talking about a word which comes from God as wisdom or knowledge for a specific situation. It's, of course, lesser than the Bible. All the rules, like we found out with prophecy, apply here. This is very similar to prophecy, but it's not communal. Words of wisdom and knowledge, in my experience, have to do with one-on-one or small groups. It is God giving a very direct word about an issue that needs to be dealt with in your life, or a word of encouragement, or a situational or supernatural telling to you of what you're called to do in that moment for God's will. But notice, it's situational, it's prompting-based, and it's a power gift. When this happens, you're going to know that God is speaking. It's not just another lecture or sermon or small group study. Now, let me just use one definition. The word of knowledge gift refers to the capacity or sensitivity of a person supernaturally perceiving revealed knowledge or wisdom from God, which otherwise could not or would not be known and apply it to the situation. Now, this is really important again so we understand this. This is when God gives someone who has this gift a word for you, and there's no way they would know what's going on in your life. Here's some symptoms or experiences connected to these two expressions. One wrote, you have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's promptings, which allow you to recognize certain thoughts or impressions aren't from you, they're just from God. You have a recognition that in certain situations, the Holy Spirit wants to do something and gives you knowledge that could not have originated with you. This knowledge, here's the key thing, everyone. Note takers, write this down. Twitter, here it goes, okay? This knowledge helps release the activity of God in a situation. This always prompts someone to the lordship of Jesus or dealing with God. You have an awareness that God releases knowledge and information in a variety of ways. You have an ability to be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, which allows you, again, to recognize that God is speaking into a a situation. If you actually have the gift of words of wisdom and you say, I really feel the Lord is giving this to you and you're called to do this, it will actually play out in time and be affirmed. If it's actually done in a small group, many people around you will go, yes, yeah, that actually is from the Lord. Your experience is like this. In your mind's eye, you may have literally see words written like a newspaper headline or a ticker tape. Uh, You could actually hear God speak in an inner voice. In your mind's eye, you could see the actual sin that needs to be confronted, the situation that needs to be confronted or or healed. Uh, You could see pictures or visions. In healing situations, you actually might feel the pain or symptoms of the condition God wants to heal. The person feeling these symptoms, though, does not have the condition. And rarely this person would ever open their mouth uh, with, uh, with prior knowledge. It just, it comes from the Lord. The idea is that this knowledge 
or this situational advice helps release God's activity into a situation. So it is specific and so on track that a response is demanded. It's like prophecy. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to the podcast on prophecy because the rules are similar. Now, much of these time, these gifts are given and used with other gifts. Uh, they can be used with teaching, uh, like dealing with the demonic. If you have the gift of discernment, it's letting you know that evil is present, where a word of knowledge can tell you how evil actually got into the situation. They can be used to expose secrets in people's lives, not to humiliate them. Let me say that again. Words of knowledge and wisdom are never given to humiliate a human being. They are given to humble them and to heal them. God could actually give people words of wisdom and knowledge actually very specific things that people are called to do in a very specific way. Let me take some uh, time to give you some examples this morning. Uh, words of knowledge in this church in this way is used very regularly. You may not know that, but it is, especially in a lot of our prayer ministries. In the last 11 weeks specifically, we have seen a significant increase of this gift in a way we've never seen before. And I'll just give you some situations as we, some of us as pastors have been praying over people. Some of us who have that gift have just had experiences where we've been told that someone comes forward for prayer and we lay hands on them and it's as clear as day. You were this old, you did these things, you've never talked to the living God about them, you know you're supposed to repent. And the person's like, how did you know? And we're like, we just work for him. That's why I said a few weeks ago, this is not a safe place to come to church anymore. Yeah, thank you. You're laughing. I'm serious. We've seen other things where God, in, through words of knowledge, in very humble and sensitive ways, has brought up stuff in people's lives that they haven't thought about for years. Where we've been praying for people and the Lord actually has brought up things that have been spoken over them. Horrific statements of curse-like stuff. All of us, if we sat together and I talked about who made fun of you in grade six, you probably know, right? And it's amazing how some of that still resonates and has such garbage power in people's lives. And God, in the last 11 weeks, as we've laid hands on people, has very specifically, unknown to us, given us even the phrases that have been said over people. And the people just break down and start weeping. I can't believe that. God, and it's like, he wants to heal you right now. It's not about your humiliation. It's not about bringing this all back. It's about you getting free. Other people have been just told very directly that they're on God's radar. And for some people who have been Christians for a long time, that's been the biggest blessing. But notice again that words of wisdom or words of knowledge are supernatural, intuitive things that God gives certain people where it literally begins to release the activity of God in a way that would not naturally happen through a sermon or, or through a prayer meeting. And when it takes place, people go, there is no way you could have known that about me. God must be here. That's what it is. And I thank God he's using it in our church. I'm glad it's no longer safe. I'd much rather the living God expose our sin and deal with our stuff so we could be free. Don't you agree? Just bring it, Lord. That's what I keep saying. Bring it. Bring more of it. It's great. Huh. For some of you who didn't clap, you're being honest, and I appreciate that, actually. It's good. That leads us now to the gift of healing. The word healing actually means healing of many kinds. Uh, it's illness, physical, emotional, uh, and spiritual. The gift of healing refers to the supernatural releasing of healing power for the curing of all sorts of illnesses. Now, just so you know, the gift of healing is not dealing with the demonic. I didn't know this for a long time. This is important. If you read the Gospels carefully, you'll find out that people that were physically or mentally sick 
used names for Jesus. They called him Master, Teacher, Son of David, or Lord. When demons addressed Jesus, they called him the Holy One of God, the Son of God, the Son of, most, the Son of the Most High God. The contrast in even the language tells you what's going on, whether it's physical, emotional, or supernaturally evil. And it also tells us what gift Jesus is about to use. Now, one author really brought this home when he said these words. Hear this, please. The gift of healing does not give you a supernatural power over disease. You're, you're not a bag of chips. It's God. He or she is simply a channel through whom God works. There are several uses of this gift in the New Testament. We know that, of course, there's the human, humanitarian element, the sort of our city of hope expression, which is amazing. But also there was a releasing of God's power, which gave authority not only to the message of Jesus, but to the messenger and authenticated what was taking place. And it demonstrated the compassion of God for people. Understand, healing and words of knowledge and works of power are always about God's merciful intervention. They're never, let me say this again, about humiliation. Now here's some symptoms that might point out that you actually have the gift of healing. You have a deep desire to see God alleviate physical problems in people, and you're willing to be used by God to do so. This is like a joy thing for you. You have an unnatural draw to those that are sick. You have an unusual ability to sense God's power is present for healing. You have the ability to trust God and believe that he wants to heal. You have a willingness to take risks for God. And he writes, the principle of contagion is probably true. People that are around people with real gifts of healing probably are drawn into this if they have it because they see it demonstrated. But let me say again, it's not about a show. It's not about a big show. It's about God healing people, either to bring that person to Jesus for the first time or heal those who already follow Jesus. Some sense actually and speak of a heat that's actually in their hands or all over them as they're about to do a healing or after. Now, before you dismiss what I just said, call the elders and get me fired at the next congregational meeting in 20 minutes. Let me stop you and remind you that this isn't new age. This isn't crazy. This isn't, right? This is right in scripture. There's a story of Jesus. Do you remember it? Surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of people. And this woman who'd been bleeding for over a decade Women, just think about that. Bleeding for over a decade. Comes up so desperate and can't reach Jesus, but desperately touches his cloak. Immediately in the story, Jesus says, who touched me? The disciples are like, what's your problem? Hundreds of people are touching you. He's like, no, no, I felt a power leave me. You see, when healing takes place for real, and people that have sincere gifts of healing will actually talk about the very power of God, and usually it's like fire or heat, literally leaving them. And this is exactly the description even Jesus gives himself. Remember, you can't take the supernatural out of God. Just saying. Side note. Okay, so we'll keep going. The other thing we need to talk about is faith. Same people say, well, you got to have faith to get healed. True. But if you read the Bible just real clearly, sometimes the person who wants healing has faith. As Josh preached at 9.05 last Sunday night, sometimes it's the people bringing the people that have the faith. And in many other times, it's actually God who has the faith and no one has faith and he gets healed. The point is that God needs to be invoked either by himself or by others. Does this mean we shouldn't go to doctors and not use drugs? No, don't be stupid. Of course you should. Don't ever buy into someone who says, well, you know, if you're on drugs, just, just get a God, just, you know, have more faith. Stop that. If God wants to heal then he will do it. 
Go to people with the gift of healing. Let them pray. See if there's permission. If there is, be expectant. And if there's not, use all the medical help you can get for your physical or mental illness. It's not an either-or thing. It's a both-and thing. We need to be balanced. Amen? It's good. So my question to you this morning as we keep going here, do you have the gift of healing? As I was praying this week, I have a great sense that some of you do, and you've never used it because you've been terrified, either by fear or bad theology or something in the middle. You've known for years that you're supposed to do something like this, but you just, you don't do it. Well, let me tell you, as Dave prayed this morning in prayer meeting, it's time to dig your talent out of the ground and start using it, because we need it in this church. We do need it. So that's words of wisdom, and that's healing. Let me end with works of power. You may call it miracles in your translation. This is the release of God's power to demonstrate the uniqueness of God. This is about casting out of demons, raising people from the dead, and literally commanding nature to do things that should not happen. Let me just give you uh, one example or one definition. The work of power refers to the releasing of God's supernatural power so that the miraculous intervention of God is perceived and God receives recognition for the supernatural intervention. Again, this is about casting out of demons and raising people from the dead and changing the course of nature. We see this in Jesus. We see this in the first three generations in Scripture of his followers. And it also is found time and time and time and time and time again in church history and also in our day. And its use is twofold. The first one is to bring people to Jesus for the first time. It is where the gospel is actually authenticated by signs and wonders. And people go, well, God's got to be doing something because that's just crazy, and i got to talk about Jesus. The other is that Jesus miraculously intervenes in a Christian's life for the issue of healing or for sanctification. Now, there's an amazing passage in Hebrews chapter 2 that talks about this, and I'll just start reading from verse 3. And it says, The salvation which was first announced by Jesus was confirmed to us by those who heard him. So Jesus said it, then it was preached to us. Verse 4. God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles. There's the gift, works of power. And by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So you have the idea here of the gospel being authenticated by works of power. Signs and wonders is again like healing words of knowledge and miracles is works of power. Now here's some symptoms that might tell you that you have this gift. God will put you in positions where you must see the power of God demonstrated to vindicate God's character. Every time I have the great privilege of praying with someone who's demonized or oppressed, this is about God's character first. And it's amazing to see the demonic say that God is God and they are not. An ability, here's another one, to have a sensitivity to discern what God wants to do in a given situation. A willingness to risk your reputation and trust God in unusual circumstances. A deep faith and trust in God. An ability to deal with demons directly. When you pray, they leave people or situations. Or when you pray, people are raised from the dead. If you've done that, the staff would love to talk to you. Uh, no, really, we would. Uh, uh, or actually changing nature. We see this again and again. Here, here's the point, though. Uh, works of power, again, are about validating God's presence among us. Now, I think many of you here and watching online would be shocked to know how many people that make up in our C4 community, how many of us in this community have been set free from the evil one. I mean, we all have it, salvation. 
But many people among us here today, if this was a different place and we could have a testimony time, would stand and tell you very clearly that they were once in bondage and in fear and constantly inhabited and they're not anymore. And people with the gift of works of power work in that releasing prayer ministry we have specifically. That's one expression of this type of gift. I hang out with a lot of people from around the world that God's doing cool things. And yes, there have absolutely been validated, uh, scientifically recorded cases uh, these days of people actually being raised from the dead. And we're not talking about, you know, they died for three minutes, they saw light and came back. We're talking about like three days. And I have friends who work in southern Sudan and other people are trying to join her this week about another context, uh, not my Joanna, Joanna Lafleur, just clarify. And, uh, and we were talking about another thing where a whole community came to faith because a young girl had died at 12 and she was actually dead for I think three days and came back to life. And uh, the whole tribe said, well, if Jesus can do that, he obviously is God. And they all became Christians. So fundamentally, what we're talking about here again is works of power. But notice, it's always about Jesus. It's always about his glory. It's always about his expectations and his sovereignty. Here's some summary, and then I'll get ready to finish. Healing is God using some of you to heal people physically or emotionally. Works of power is dealing with the demonic or nature and letting all people know that God is really among us. Words of knowledge or wisdom is God giving information or a specific call to action. And this would allow a person to know the Lord is present, the Lordship of Christ is demanded, and they must respond. It's spontaneous, it's situationally specific, it needs to be authenticated. And like we said with prophecy, especially with words of knowledge and wisdom, it won't be 100% right all the time because we will add things. That's why it needs to be tested, and that's okay. But I also need to say a few last things here. If you or anyone watching or listening online have had the gifts that I'm talking about this morning before you met the Lord Jesus Christ in a personal way, I don't care if you grew up in the church or not, I don't care if you were baptized as an infant or you had nothing to do, if you had the ability to heal, if you had the ability to cast things out or do supernatural actions, or if you had the ability, and this is very key, again, to have perceptions and knowledge about people that you should not know, and it's before Jesus Christ, those gifts are not from the Lord Jesus Christ. They are gifts from the other side. And like I've shared, the spirit of Christ and the spirit of Antichrist will look almost exactly the same and will even function very similar. And that's the problem. So I'm actually saying to you as one of your pastors this morning, if I am your pastor, would you be willing this morning, here or online, to give up those abilities that you've used because they are not from Jesus. And say to Jesus, I will take any ability you give me. I want nothing to do with abilities that are not from Christ. This is significant. Remember, the spiritual gifts from the Christian church are about God's glory, our freedom, and they build up the church so the world sees Jesus clearly. Spiritual gifts that come from the other side, whether they're occultic by name or occultic in nature, they're always about the person's identity, about their pride, about their power, and their self not God-glorifying. Our movement is based on meekness. Our movement is based on humility. Our movement is based on character. And the gifts are just a bonus where we get to see Jesus love people. Amen? Huge difference. So I'm commending you and saying again, if you have these gifts and they're not from our side, as we do this response today, give them up. One last thing. With healing, with words of power, uh, words of knowledge, and with acts of power, I need to tell you, if you have this gift, you must learn to listen, 
you must learn to ask permission. You need to stop and ask God, why have you told me? Are you asking me to pray? Am I called to consult with my small group or my leaders? Am I called to act? Just because you know or just because you're gifted does not mean you own what you've been given or you're always called to do something immediately. Never forget this is about Jesus, his will, his work. It's never about your ego or mine. It's not about our identity. It's not about our fame. It is always about God's glory. I have been begging God in the last 11 weeks in my life as I've been repenting so much with Jesus. I don't want people to meet Jesus. I don't want people to meet John Thompson anymore. I want people to meet Jesus in me. That's what's got to be the heartbeat, especially for these gifts. It's about Jesus bringing people to himself. It's about Jesus freeing people. And we just, we just get to be there and experience it. And I just can't say this enough. Your character matters. If you have gifts like this, authority is key, submission is key, relationship is key, but your character matters. The greater your character grows, 1 Corinthians 13, the more people will be willing to listen to what you're trying to say on behalf of the Lord or do, because they'll go, that person, though they're weird and they freak me out, they're a person of character, I'll give them a chance. If your character is not growing, you will be dismissed, even if God is trying to do something. Your greatest prayer needs to be, oh God, make me love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So my question is to you, do you have the gift of healing? Do you have words of knowledge or wisdom? Do you have works of power? If so, we're going to do the response we've done for nine weeks. We're going to ask everyone to stand now. And uh, I'm going to ask the elders and pastors to come forward. Dan's going to come back in response. And here's how we're going to work this out. If you have these gifts, we're going to ask you to submit to the leadership. You may either know you have these gifts or you're unsure but you want prayer. And you're just going to come forward and say, I want the character of Jesus. I want the, I want the permission of Jesus. I want to know how to hear and listen. Others of you need to come forward to pastors and elders and say, you know what? I actually have gifts and they're not from our side and I want to renounce them. And if some of you are really skeptical about that, just so you know, last week, we had many people come forward and give up gifts that were not from Jesus right here in this auditorium. And we want to encourage you to do that again. Some of you have these gifts. You know you have these gifts, but you've misused them. You've made healing or works of power, especially words of knowledge or wisdom about you. And you've used it and it's given you, though God never intended it, it's given you power over people sexually, emotionally, physically, relationally. You need to repent. You need to ask God to clean that right up so you would never use what he's trying to do for your own fame or for your own self. Everyone tracking with me this morning? So why don't we just take a moment to pray for the online audience, pray for each other. And as we've said every week, if you haven't come forward yet for any of the spiritual gifts and you need to, come forward. Administration, mercy, the list goes on and on. Just come forward and say, I'd like prayer. So let's pray together and end the service the way we should with the living Jesus. God, thanks for your word. Thanks to, and we claim this together with every church on earth right now, joining the global church. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you that healing is guaranteed. Thank you there is a new heaven and new earth coming, and we cling to that right now as a community. But also, Holy Spirit, now come, we pray, among us and for those online. And Lord, if people have these three gifts, bring them forward so they can be affirmed and give them character. Holy Spirit, begin to tell people if they have gifts and they don't want them, but you've given it to them, tell them now so they can begin to walk in joy in their gifting. And Lord, we also pray again for all those online that as we pray for each other here, we symbolically lay hands on them, praying that you'd affirm, do your work, that there would be purity, that there would be character, that there would be power, so Jesus can be uplifted and people can be changed. We ask this again in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said,
Amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you want to know more about our church or give financially, go to our website at www.carotherscreek.ca.